Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Bless the name of Yahuwah. All of you, Shabbat Shalom in the chat. Keep it going and looking forward to the fellowship that you guys have there today. Thank you to all of our donors and subscribers, those of you that do support the channel with your thumbs up, with your subscriptions, and those of you that do financially help out the ministry with your generous giving and stewardship. Thank you so much. We are truly blessed. What a blessed Sabbath. We are in Revelation chapter 11. There's so much to unpack. We're in part D today. Let's look at the eighth verse because this really is the body of the text that I'm going to use to jump off into a topic that I believe is very important. That great city, that great city. Look what it says in verse 8. And their dead bodies, of course, this is talking about the two witnesses, which we've spent quite a bit of time unpacking. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our master was crucified. That's going to be the source for us to jump into today. I hope something that will transform our lives, both in the natural realm, but really in the spiritual realm, because we have just had some time of prayer and time of word before we came online today. And Ephesians 6, was it verse 11, we were talking about the difference between wrestling with the flesh and blood and really understanding that our war, it's a spiritual war. Because it says in the Proverbs, in the 23rd proverb and the 7th verse, as a man thinks, mm, there so he is. And don't we just have to take captive our thoughts in a time and a day like today? And I find myself vacillating back and forth between the natural man and the spiritual man, trying to navigate the world that we live in and the spiritual realm of the world that I live in through the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of the Spirit. And it is a battle. We have to fight for it. So we have really two choices on how to live. We have two choices on how to think. We have two destinies that I want to unpack today, that are presented for us, and they are encapsulated in Jerusalem. It really is the dichotomy of the flesh and the spirit. It really is the dichotomy between dealing with this natural world right now and then living as the spiritual man in this natural world. You see, in the Pasha, in the plain sense, we see the city... But as we study through today, let's look at the spiritual implications of our thought life, the spiritual implications of our Bible study life, the spiritual implications of how we interact with the world today in crisis. We can either limit ourselves, restrict ourselves, or we can empower our spiritual foresight, our spiritual vision to a higher calling. But we have to make that decision. And 
it is a decision that we have to almost make every moment, every minute, with every interaction, with every decision on what we choose to read, garbage in, garbage out. And there is so much going on right now. I really feel called today to address the spiritual reality of our natural world and the choices that we have to make and their disciplined choices as believers. So it's kind of a recalibration of the revelation today, a recalibration of the revelation. Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the harlot according to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 21. And the harlot is Jerusalem. But Jerusalem also, according to Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2, is the bridehood. This is me. This is you. When I start engaging with the world, reading the news interacting carnally with the world, being angry and upset of what's going on. I am engaging in the Jerusalem, the harlot worldview. Or I can look at the principalities, the spiritual wickedness in high places, many of us on the left coast, we can see our governors are those spiritual wickedness in high places, and we can look at it spiritually, and we can engage spiritually through the word, through prayer, and through having a higher calling, and we are then operating as Jerusalem, the bridehood. So what's it going to be today, in my life, every day? Am I going to engage as Jerusalem, the harlot, that's the natural, fleshly, carnal man, or am I going to engage as Jerusalem, the bridehood, and ascend into a supernatural, powerful state? That's today, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 21. You see, will we allow weapons to be formed against us? If we have the harlot mentality, we are, allowing, we are allowing the weapons of the world then to be formed against us. And we will allow our thoughts to become scattered and plowed to the very ground. What kind of harvest will we possibly be able to produce if we focus on a walled-in and divided mentality? What kind of harvest are we going to produce? We can choose another way. Jerusalem, the bridehood. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2. We can live in the blessings. And those blessings lead us securely forward under the raised arms of the full revelation of what the Son has for us today. You see, Israel, Jerusalem... You and I, we've always had these two choices. Between living in a harlot state or living in a bridehood state. Let's look at Israel. The house of Israel was given a certificate of divorce because of the harlot state in which she was in, which was a natural state, but it was also a spiritual state. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 8, based upon the text of Deuteronomy chapter 24. You see, Yahweh couldn't legally remarry the house of Israel. Why? Because she had gone a-whoring after pagan religion. 
So he had to come in the likeness of sinful flesh and had to die to ratify the new book of the covenant and take us out from the adultery clause of the book of the law. You see, the adultery clause isn't in the book of the covenant. That was enacted after the golden calf in Deuteronomy chapter 24. Because all Israel had sinned and was beholden to the adultery clause, and they were under a tutor until something miraculous could happen, which the Apostle Paul spoke about, of course, in Romans chapter 7. Turn there with me. Because we know that Yahushua died to redeem the house of Israel from her adulteries, which is not only actions, but our thought life. Didn't Yahushua say, as a man thinks, so he is, right? In regard to if you even look at a woman with adultery, then you've committed it. Because it's our thought life, our thinking. And right now, in the world that we live in, we really have to transform our mind. A renewing of the mind. We do. We really do. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. I'll do a little paraphrase on it. You've got your scriptures open. Or are you ignorant, brothers? For I speak to those of you who know the law. Now, this is specifically talking about the book of the law. That the law, the book of the law, has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Because it's the clause of Deuteronomy chapter 24 contained in the book of the law. For the married woman was bound by the law to the living husband. But if the husband dies, she is set free from the law of her husband. Well, what was the law of her husband? It was the book of the law. Set free from the book of the law. So then if, while her husband lives, she is married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. Deuteronomy 24. But if the husband dies, the law of the husband, the book of the law of the father, she is free from that law so that she is no longer counted as an adulteress by becoming another man's wife. This is a duality of powers, not persons. So you have to look at the text and understand it. The natural understanding of the text in Deuteronomy 24 is there's two persons. But Paul is applying it to the duality of powers. The law of the Father, the book of the law, and the law of the Son that only came into play because of the death clause. It's a duality of powers, not persons. It's a remez, it's a hint, it's a drash, and now going into a very deep mystery of the natural duality of persons that is in Deuteronomy 24. There's two different kinds of men. But here, it's about the deity and the duality of powers. The law of the Father is the book of the law. The law of the Son could only come into play by the death clause, which then frees the adulterous bride, Israel, both in thought, action, mind, and deed, from the book of the law and brings her into a state of life. Verse 4, so my brothers, you have also become dead to the law, that's the law of the adultery, 
This isn't dead to the law of Moses as traditional Christianity would misinterpret it based upon a lack of information. Meaning if you're not familiar with the law, how would you know such things? So my brothers, you have also become dead to the law of adultery, dead to the book of the law, not the law of Moses, by the body of Messiah so that you should be married to another. What is the other? The one that is now seated at the right hand of the Father. It's a duality of powers here, not persons, testified to by Psalms 110 verses 1, clarified in verse 5. Yahuwah sits at the right hand of Yahuwah, a duality of powers. You have to go to the Septuagint to see the all... Um, the, uh, the yod hey wah hey there in the Masoretic text. It doesn't clarify that in Psalm 110. You have to see that in the Septuagint. But the very first verse here states that he is only speaking to them that know the law. So if you don't know the Torah, the law, you can't understand what follows. And of course, that's why for thousands of years in traditional Christianity, it's been misinterpreted that the law of Moses is done away with because they weren't spending the time in the Torah to know what is going on here. But we know that Paul by no means is saying we're dead to the law of Moses, but we are dead to the penalties of the book of the law, which is adultery, the mixing of pagan customs with the worship of Yahuwah because Yahuwah had to send forth the duality of powers, his son, to die to redeem the whole house of Israel for her adulteries, which is not only her actions, but her mind. And we have a battle of the mind today because the world is full of adulteries. And it's fast encroaching upon us. But we have to rise above that. This is really the greatest love story that was never told in the traditional church for 2,000 years. This is why Yahushua says in Matthew chapter 15 verse 24, I am not sent but for the prostituting sheep of the house of Israel. That's the translation from the Matthew in the Shem Tov translation. You see, the harlot is not only Israel, as we're going to discover in our teaching today. The harlot is also Jerusalem, because they've both committed adulteries, not only of action, but of thought life. And she, Jerusalem, committed adultery and signed her divorce through the form of apostasy, if you will as had Israel. Did Yahushua weep over Jerusalem? The prophet Isaiah tells us in the 52nd chapter in the 17th verse that Jerusalem is a cup of trembling. They are giving the wine and made drunk only to be destroyed and then the cup is given to her enemies. This is exactly what the book of Revelation explains. Before Yahweh can set up his tabernacle on that glorious mountain between the seas, which Daniel the prophet speaks about in the 11th chapter and the 45th verse, 
Jerusalem needs to become desolate first. So I pose a question. Look for the answer. Is Jerusalem the eschatological city mystery Babylon? Is she? What city did Yahushua weep over? What city does everyone seem to fight over today? Where were all the prophets killed? What city will the man of sin want more than any city on the earth? Whether it's Muslims, whether it's Christians, whether it's Jews, what city do they all want control over? What city was labeled a harlot in the Tanakh? What city becomes a cup of trembling to the nations? Where is the abomination of desolation going to take place? In what city will that take place? What city drinks the cup of his wrath in Isaiah 51 verse 17? What city did Yahuwah divorce then only to die so he could marry his bride in that city? What city is spiritually called Mitzrayim, Egypt? Amos married a harlot, representing who? What cryptic name does Peter use for Babylon? Who called herself a queen and says she would never be a widow? In Isaiah chapter 47, verse 7. These are questions I pose, and you find one answer. What city literally sits on seven hills? Mount Zion, Mount Ophel, Mount Moriah, Mount Bezetha, Mount Akra, Mount Gareb, and Mount Goeth. And finally, what great city was Yahushua crucified in? You see, the only references to great and city in the Greek, which is great, Strong's number 3173, and city, Strong's number 4172, are in Revelation. That's the only time you find that great city. The first reference definitely within the text refers to Jerusalem where their master was crucified. Look at Revelation chapter 11 verse 8, how we started off today. And their dead bodies will lie in the city, in the street of that great city, which is allegorically called Sodom in Egypt, where their master was crucified. Is it possible, even likely probable, that mystery Babylon is in fact a Jerusalem where Yahushua was killed according to Isaiah? In Isaiah, in the first chapter, in the 10th verse, it is written, Hear the word of Yahweh, ye princes of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our Elohim, ye people of Gomorrah. And in verse 21 of Isaiah chapter 1, it says, How is the faithful city become a harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers dwell herein. You see, Jerusalem he calls Sodom, and the leaders, listen, 
the leaders, he referred to them as Gomorrah, meaning Jerusalem being the mother and the leaders of Jerusalem as the people of Gomorrah, in short, the mother of harlots. Right there. Right there in the text. The mother of harlots identified. Revelation chapter 16, verse 19, it is written, The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and Yahweh remembered great Babylon to make her drain the cup of the fury of his wrath. And then in Revelation 17, in the 18th verse, it builds. And the woman that you saw is the great city which has dominion over the kings of the earth. Part of this defunding the police is to bring in the United Nations, to bring in NATO so it can all be ruled and managed from one city over the world, a unified force with AI dogs. This is, again, this isn't something that just happened two weeks ago. This is all part of the COVID experiment to bring us forward into the prophecies of a city, Mystery Babylon, which is an international city with an international police force. This is the, they were doing this in the 90s when they decided to collapse Europe with the Bosnian and Chechen wars. The former Yugoslavia is, first of all, You've got to take over the local police and bring NATO and the UN in. Then you have control, and then from then you can begin to destabilize and rebuild. But you can't do that if you've got local police. So this, this is part of the mystery Babylon. We're just seeing it. I don't want you to lose sight on that. But let's get back into the... The scripture, because in the Revelation, in the 18th chapter, in the 10th verse, they will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, thou art a great city, thou mighty city, Babylon. In one hour has thy judgment come. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen and splendor, in purple and scarlet, bedecked with gold, with jewels, with pearls, and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads, and they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. By her wealth, they were trading. But they're trading in souls. Okay, they're trading in souls. Ezekiel 28, the merchant of men in a maritime case. Admiralty case, 
In one hour she has been laid wise, waste. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So shall Babylon the great city be thrown down with violence and shall be found no more. Now remember, this is the same Jerusalem that Yahushua railed against in Matthew chapter 23, remember? Look at the 34th verse of Matthew chapter 23. It's quite telling. Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of you will kill and crucify, and some of you will scourge. You'll scourge them in your synagogues. You'll persecute them from town to town, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, for the blood of the innocent, able to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Bacharai, who you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all of this will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, killing the prophets and stoning those who are sent to you. How often I would have gathered you, just like children gathered unto a hen, as she would gather together her brood under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is forsaken and come upon you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Baruch, Haba, Habashem, Yahuwah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahuwah. Baruch, Haba, Habashem, Yahuwah. Our daily cry, our daily cry, thrice daily. Look at a similitude that we'll see now because it's actually Babylon who's found drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the prophets, and all slain upon the earth in the Revelation. Look at Revelation. Put a finger in chapter 17, 18, and 19. And I'll have a sip from our sponsor, south of the border, from the city of Chad, or Chaz. What are they calling that place up near you in Snohomish? Diesel Grandpa, Diesel Grandpa sent me my sponsor here. Supplied it got, I'm surprised it got through all the barricades. Mm-hmm. Revelation 17.5. Oh, exceedingly refreshing. Just a delightful fizz. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of harlots, and of the earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Yahushua. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. Look at Revelation 18:21. Then a mighty Malak angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So shall Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with Hamas, violence. Now you do realize that Hamas is part of this Antifa. Hamas and ISIS. Antifa have been training with them for the past nine months overseas in the Middle East. Many of these activists, they're coming from Hamas. They're coming from ISIS. 
They've been trained. You can see their flags in the Middle East. They've been training these militant arms now to come in, and this is all part of this action. So don't lose sight of that. I get all wound up, and I do. So I'm teaching just as much to my mind mentality and renewing of it as I am to yours, but I'm not losing sight and going to go and be an ostrich either. But to balance it all is quite a burden. Because I do believe that we live in prophetic times. But I also believe that we have to keep our eyes on the goal, which is the Jerusalem above. Because that's where I'm going. And that's where you're going. And this Jerusalem here of the natural realm, of the Zionist state, will be judged. But they have a whole conspiracy to construct of which... We now live in those times. How do we balance that? Through the indwelling of the word. The indwelling of the Ruach HaKodesh in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 or 12, was it not? Give me that verse. Give me that verse. Revelation 19 verse 2. For his judgments are true. They are just. He has avenged, he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the whole earth with her fornication. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. You see, Jerusalem is no longer the shining light of the Zion of Scripture, is it? But it's the host of political Zionism. And she is found guilty as the bloody city. And Yahushua warned that her house would become desolate. If she brought in political Zionism, it would be her undoing. And that happened, of course, in Basel, Switzerland in 18, what, 64. Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Matthew 23, verse 37. Killing the prophets and stoning those who are sent to you. Yahushua said he would have gathered her right under her wing, his wings, just as a chicken a hen does her brood. But no, they would have none of it. None of it. And in the 24th chapter of Matthew, Yahushua said that he left the temple when he was going away. And then his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple and how marvelous and grand they were. And he answered, you see all of these? Do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So don't be telling me that the western wall is the foundation of the temple. Because last time I read my Bible, not one, not one stone of that structure, that whole edifice would remain on top of another. So you'd have to go 900 feet further south where you would find not one stone of the temple remained. Because the western wall is the foundation of the Anatonia fortress. It's not the temple, never was. Because these words are true. And every political Zionist is a liar. Right? So, I mean, we have to ask the same questions, don't we? When will the destruction of this temple occur? Well, in Matthew chapter 24 and the third verse... Yahushua sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privily and saying, Tell us, when, when, when will this be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? 
Oh, we're at the final furlong, brethren. We're at the final furlong. Not at the close of the age, but it does seem to be fastly approaching. But that's just my perspective, and many would disagree. In Luke chapter 21, verse 20, it is written, When you shall see Jerusalem surrounded by NATO, I mean her armies, or some armies, the UN, and then recognize that her desolation is at hand. <laughs> then let those that are in Judea flee unto the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of the city depart. Let those who are in the country enter the city, because these are the day of vengeance, in order that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Woe to those who are with child and to those who nurse babes in those days. For there shall be great distress upon the land and wrath to his people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled under the foot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And this is a future prophecy. This was not fulfilled in 70 of the common era. Do not be confused with that. You see, this parallels Matthew and Mark and Daniel chapter 11 and 45th verse. And we have the Antichrist, anti-Mashiach, Mashiach Neged, camped out between the seas and the beautiful holy mountain around the time of the beginning of the great tribulation. And Revelation chapter 11 verse 2 says that the outer court of the temple is given to the nations. But in the Greek, it's ethnos, which means tribes, who will tread underfoot the holy city for 42 months. You see, Jerusalem's destruction is yet future, and she will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles, but better, you see the Greek word there is ethnos, it means by the tribes, until the times of the tribes be fulfilled. Greetings to the twelve tribes scattered abroad is so powerfully prophetic if you have the eyes to see and the clarity of vision and mind to see where we're at today. You see, this desolation is, of course, the destruction of Mystery Babylon the Great, initiated by the abomination of desolation in league with the nations, in league with the Zionists, in league with the United Nations and NATO and the synagogue of S.A. 10. This isn't true Zionism, nay. This is the bastard child of Zionism, or what the Bible calls the daughter of Zion, a harlot destined for destruction. Jeremiah the prophet, in the fourth chapter, in the 27th verse. Turn with me there, Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 27. For thus saith Yahuwah, the whole land shall be a desolation, yet I will not execute a complete destruction. 
For this earth shall mourn and the heavens above be dark. Because I have spoken, I have purposed, and I will not change my mind, nor will I turn from it. At the sound of the horsemen and the bowmen, every city flees. They go into the thickets and climb upon the rocks. Every city is forsaken, and no man dwells there. And you, O desolate one, what will you do? Although you dress in scarlet, although you decorate yourself with ornaments of gold, although you enlarge your eyes with paint, in vain you make yourself beautiful. Your lovers despise you. They seek your life. For I heard a cry as a cry of a woman in labor. The anguish as one giving birth to her first child. The cry of the daughter of Zion. Gasping for breath. Stretching out her hands saying, Oh, woe is me, for I faint before murderers. But the parallel text is right here in Revelation chapter 16. And verse 19, where it is written, And the great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And the Babylon the great was remembered before Yahweh to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. In Revelation 17, verse 14, in verse 4, excuse me, it says, The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stone and pearls. Do you not see the, the similitude of how Jeremiah bedecks her? And so does the revelation. In Revelation 17:4, she's clothed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. This is a parallel text. And the ten horns which you saw, and the beast, these will hate the harlot and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh, and will burn her up with fire. You see, both Jerusalem and Babylon are destroyed by forces coming from the north. This is papal Rome coming from Greenland, which is her base. I mean, Trump wasn't joking when he brought up the topic of liquidating Greenland. That wasn't a joke. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 14. Then Yahweh said to me, Out of the north the evil will break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the families of the kingdoms of the north, declares Yahweh. And they will come and they will set each one on his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem and against all its walls round about and against all the cities of Judah. I mean, Jeremiah is so profound. He goes on to say in the seventh chapter in the 34th verse, Then I will make to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, for the land will become a ruin. 
And then he goes on to say in the 26th chapter, in the second verse, Stand in the court of Yahuwah's house and speak to all the cities of Judah who have come to worship in Yahuwah's house. Verse 9 of the 26th chapter. This house will be like Shiloh, and this city will be desolate without habitation. Do you see the similitudes that are spoken by the prophet Jeremiah and Isaiah about the city of Jerusalem with mystery Babylon being judged, bedecked, and falling in the Revelation prophecy? Because Jerusalem and Babylon, they are both drinking the dregs from the cup of the master's anger. In Isaiah, in the 51st chapter, in the 17th verse, it says, Rouse yourself, rouse yourself, arise, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the master's hand the cup of his anger, the chalice of reeling. I love that translation. The chalice of reeling you have drained to the dregs. Well, that's the same as Revelation 16, verse 19. And the city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and Babylon the Great was remembered before Yahweh to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. I mean, if that's not a parallel text, talking about a parallel universe, a parallel city, I do not know what is. You see, we're nearing the final furlong. We're nearing the final furlong. It's not the end. But the turns are fast approaching. The bride is supposed to be making herself ready because she is spiritually attuned and she knows that the harlot is about to be judged. But I also realize that I need to be spiritually attuned and have that bride mentality and judge the harlot, the carnal self within me as I operate and engage in this fallen world. You see, one angel with a bowl said, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot in Revelation 17 and 19. And immediately after that, in Revelation 19, the bride is then found ready. Are we ready? Then in Revelation chapter 21, verse 9, another angel who had a bowl says, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So this is supposed to be our time of preparation, is it not? As we see things unfolding in the world. You see, Jerusalem is referred to as both a harlot and Yahushua's bride. And I used to be a harlot. When I lived in the world and didn't know him. But the old man is dead, as Paul says. And now I live as a bride, married to the risen Savior. But I, do I still remember those days? I try not to. So there is a war, as Paul says, that I find within my members. And none of us are above it, especially with the pressure of the cauldron pot of mixing that the nations is thrust upon. Some of you are 
more privileged to be able to not have to be engaged so much in the workforce. Maybe you're retired. But then some of you are in the trenches. Some of you maybe work in an environment with like-minded people. Some of you could be the only light in a dark workforce. So you're all up against different scenarios that is challenging, above challenging, and more challenging for some. Jerusalem, both the harlot and Yahushua's bride. So here's the teaching. All that to say this. Here's the soul mystery. It's really between the carnal me, the carnal you, and the spiritual me, the spiritual you. For I delight in the mysteries of Yahweh after the inward man, don't you? Oh, I so do. But I also see another, another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, worrisome man that I am. Who the Henry is going to deliver me from myself? Oftentimes, I know I'm the only one that goes through this because you're so much holier than I. But I find myself in this battle. It's a sowed battle for the mind and the spirit of Yahuwah. It is a battle for the mind and the spirit of Yahuwah. So here's the mystery. It's the dichotomy between Isaiah chapter 1 verse 1. Put a finger there. And Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2. And Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. Here's the mystery. You see, Isaiah says, The vision of Isaiah the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Then in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 21, he goes on to say, How the faithful city has become a harlot... She that was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderous. And Ezekiel picks up on this in the 16th chapter in the second verse and says, Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations. That's the baseline that Paul was wrestling with, that I'm wrestling with, that you're wrestling with, that this world has succumbed to. But Jeremiah says, in the second chapter, in the second verse, go and proclaim to the hearing of Jerusalem. It's the same city. It's the same man. It's the same body. It's the same you. It's the same me. Thus says Yahuwah, I remember the devotion of your youth. You remember how fired up you were when you first got saved? You remember your first love? Your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness into a land not sown. For long ago, verse 20, you broke your yoke and burst your bonds and you said, I will not serve. Yea, upon every high hill and under every green tree, you bowed down as a harlot. 
Then in Revelation 21, verse 9, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And then in the Spirit, he carried me away to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. So we have Jerusalem as the harlot, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 21. And then we have Jerusalem the bride, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2. This is our dichotomy between our natural man and our spiritual man. That's the teaching. That's the mystery. Because if we actually break down these two words, we'll find it right there within the Hebrew. And it's fascinating. Because hala is the Hebrew word zana. Zana. It's spelled zain nun he. It's where we get the Greek word porneo, and we know the English word that goes with that or comes from that. But the harlot perspective, the harlot thinking that we all need to overcome, that we all, that Paul was wrestling with, zana in the Hebrew, zayin nun chay, it means, if you look at the, 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 the zayin, it means to cut something, to slice something, to pierce something. It means to scatter, to plow, to harvest, because it's like a tool. But the noon is, we know it means what? The noon is a seed, it's a swimming fish. It means to continue, to bring forth life. It's an action, as the sun, air, seed is an action. And then the hay is like a wall, it's like a fence. Fence divides, separates one from another. So when you look at this harlot, you have to ask yourself the question based upon zana, the zayin, noon, and the hay, and the meaning of this word is, will I allow these weapons to be formed against me? Will I allow my thoughts to be scattered and plowed to the ground? Will I? Will you? What kind of harvest will I possibly be able to produce if I think that way? What kind of harvest will I possibly be able to produce if I have a walled-in and divided mentality? That's the harlot mentality, just upon the breakdown of the Hebrew word zana. You see, the zayin in the Hebrew, it's a limiter. It's a limiter. It can stop. It can cut off. It has all the characteristics of a weapon. It has all the characteristics of a farm tool, an implement that Cain picked up to slay and divide his brother. And the blood of Abel cries out from the ground. Didn't we start off there? But the noon within that Hebrew word of harlot is connected to the negativity of the Zion. Where you'll see, if you live that way, all your breath, all your life force, all your productivity, all your creative force, it'll be turned negative. Absolutely negative. Rather than being used for how it was intended 
because the noon is really intended to quicken life and bring forth a quickening. But when it's connected to the Zion as in the harlot, it brings forth a negativity. And this is garbage in, garbage out. Too much intake of what's happening in the world. And my noon is connected with the Zion. Does that make sense? But there's another one. We have the hay to this harlot, which is basically your view and your judgment. Instead of being an open door, it becomes a closed door. This is harlot thinking. Because I am too in the world. But there's another way. We can have the bridehood thinking, which is based upon Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2. Kelulah, kelulah in the Hebrew. That's the long form. Kaf, lamed, vav, lamed, che, bridehood. That's us. That's the many. That's the multi. That's all of us. The bridehood, the singular, of course, is kala, kala, which, of course, is the kaf, lamed, he. But I have to fight for that bridehood perspective and thinking. And that's what I want. And when you break down the kaf limad vav he, you find that the kaf, of course, is the the palm, right? The palm of the hand. The palm means to bend, allow, tame, cover, or open. But it also means to bless. The lamed, well, we know that it's the shepherd's staff. It means to lead, but it also means that we teach. Yes, there's a yoke with it, right? But it's always forward. It's always moving forward as a shepherd moves forward with his staff. It means that you have a certain amount of control over the sheep, the lamed, or control over the tongue. But then when we connect that with the vav, which we know is a connector, the tent peg, it means that you're adding something. You're adding something and you're actually making it more secure. It's a hook. It joins something together. It pieces one thing to another. And then I find the lamed again brings me forth to lead and teach. That yes, it's a yoke, but it's a light and easy yoke, right? And I must move forward with my tongue in a form of control. And then finally, I find that hay, right? It's like the raised arms. Remember when the burden got heavy for Moshe? Those raised arms. It means to look, to behold. There's a man. It's going to reveal and sigh. So this to me shows me that I can live in the blessings which lead me securely forward under the raised arms of the Son into the full revelation that he has for me in these times. That's the bridehood mentality that I must choose when I'm at work, every morning that I get up, when I approach the scripture. Because ultimately the cuff, it enshrouds us. It puts us under the covering of his wings. Just like he said, 
Come under my wings, O Jerusalem, but you would not. You would not come under my wings. It gives us a precise perspective of how Scripture really will unfold and the revelation. With the Lamed, which acts like the spiritual rudder, leading us to the proof of the scepter. Because this is what these letters mean. It becomes a turning point in our walk. And it's amazing. When we connect that, the valve with the connector, it tells us that ultimately it's because the yoke is ultimately on his shoulders. The government is on his shoulders because he is the ambassador that holds the scepter that's going to open the doors, the hay, to all that Yah has for us. So I made a choice bridehood perspective and this is all going to happen before the seventh trumpet because we know that the two witnesses are slain in jerusalem then just after the seventh trumpet the angel declares fallen fallen is babylon the great you see these two events the witnesses being slayed and babylon being judged will be the ultimate fulfillment of matthew chapter 23 just as you and I have to go through a transformation or a new birth before we can be inhabited by the master, Jerusalem has to go through the same. Jerusalem has to be born again. And that's what we're waiting for. Because she's dead in her sins right now. Dead in her sins. Isaiah 52 verse 1. Awake, awake, clothe yourself in strength, O Zion. Is she awake now? She's dead in political Zionism. Clothe yourself in your beautiful garments. O Jerusalem, the holy city, for the uncircumcised and the unclean will no more come into you. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good tidings. In Isaiah 60, verse 3. And the nations will come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. And all your gates will be open continually. They will be not closed day or night. So that men may bring you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession. In Nahum, chapter 1, verse 15, we'll finish up here. It says, Behold, the mountains... The feet of him who bring good news, good tidings, who announces peace. Celebrate your Moedim, your feasts, O Judah. Pay your vows, for never again will the wicked one pass through you. He is cut off completely. You see, this all builds to the finality of the revelation. In the 21st chapter of Revelation, it says... I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. That's the bridehood mentality. That's the bridehood. That's not the harlot. This is the bridehood. And this is what we need to be focused on. Just break down that Hebrew word. And you can see there is the spiritual action that we must engage in every day. But if we break down the harlot mentality, that's the temptation that the world would have us fall into. And when you're feeling down, and when you're feeling like oppressed, 
because of all the news, all the negativity, all these new executive orders and social distancing and wearing a false face. That's because of the harlot mentality that the world has taken on that we we're seeing and it can affect our bridehood reality. So we have to guard it and we have to fight for it. And we don't throw our pearl before swine because some people, they want to have a false face. Some people, they want to live as a harlot. But we can choose another way because ultimately it's the end game of Jerusalem from above and that's where we're destined to go. So we have to start living it now in a spiritual reality. And that is encouraging to me because I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from Yahuwah, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Now's the time for us to be making ourselves ready. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold the tabernacle of Yahuwah, from Revelation 13:6, remember, is among men. And he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and Yahuwah himself shall be among them. And he carried me away in the rock to a great and high mountain, and he showed me the holy city. See, it is a spiritual application, isn't it? Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from Yahuwah, and the nations shall walk by its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. And in the daytime, for there shall no more night be there, its gates shall never be closed, never be divided with that harlot mentality or reality anymore. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one that practices an abomination, lying, shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So what they're doing up in Seattle now with that little nation state, well, they're all the people that inhabit that will be the inhabitants who practice abomination that shall never come into it because they chose a different city, did they not? They chose a different city. But Jerusalem has to be born again, just like you and I have to be born again. And of those peoples and tribes and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies and after three and a half days, and shall not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And they that dwell on the land shall rejoice over them and celebrate, and shall send gifts to each other. Why? Because they're living in a different city. It's a temporal one. And they're being raised up all over the world right now. That's the city and the harlot mentality of which they want. And after three and a half days, the spirit of life of Yahweh entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon those who saw them. And they heard a great voice from the heavens saying to them, Come up here. And they ascended up to the heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. And at the same hour, there was a great earthquake in California. Well, it doesn't say that, but you know that's going to be part of it. And the tenth part of the city fell, and the earthquake, 7,000 men were killed, and the remnant became afraid and gave glory to Elohim of the heavens. And the second woe was past, but the third is coming quick. 
And the seventh heavenly angel sounded, and there was great voices in the heavens saying, The kingdom of the world have become the kingdoms of our Elohim and of his Moshiach. And he will reign forever and ever. You see, we have to stay on vision, don't we? It is a battle, is it not? And the 24th elder who sat before Yahweh on their seats, they fell upon their faces and they worshipped, saying, We give thanks, O Master Yahweh El Shaddai, who was and who is and who is coming, because you have taken your great power and have reigned. And the nation, well, they were severely angry. And your wrath has come in the time of the dead, and they should be judged and that you should give your rewards to your servants, the prophets. You see, there's rewards awaiting us. But we have to have the bridehood reality embodied in our life, not the harlot. We have a different choice to make as the nations are making their choice. You see, it's really a renaissance. Not only in our thinking, but there's a renaissance happening out in the world. It's a falsity, but it is a renaissance which they're embracing, you see. You can talk about a past renaissance, and you can connect it really with what's happening now between two beasts, if you will. And I've said it many times, you know, one is up and another is down. It's inverted. It's not Tov and Ra, good and evil, but Tov and Buish. What do I mean by that? We'll finish here. You see, what you're seeing right now is really this globalism is really like a beast like no other, is it not? Because there are two beasts. The first beast is the beast of the sea. This beast was really operating in just a dark, dark occult. The dark light, black magic. But once it came up out of the sea, it didn't hide or try to portray itself other than what it was. To overcome and to kill. You see, man's lot was insentient sapiens killed. But if they escaped, well, then they were just surf sapiens led into captivity. Yet there's this second beast now. And this is the beast of the earth. Yet this beast is seemingly to be quite attractive to some, quite illuminated to some. And it may even seem to have horns like a lamb. Maybe there's going to be some kind of false peace and hope, right? And this is the prophecy of our time. Because we're having an Illuminati renaissance in the midst of this craziness right now. We're moving from globalism to nationalism. Today they had that big rally in Tulsa. Of course, nationalism coming out of an unlighted Illuminati, which was the old guard. They were dark. Black magic as hell. But now there's this new kind of enlightened lit Illuminati that's moving really into kind of like white magic, is it not? But it's still wicked as hell. But it, it's seeming to the nations, oh, we're going to get the UBI, the universal basic income, we're going to get all this. And it's seeming like, oh, we're going to defund the police. And you see, it's seemingly really good. 
and quite attractive to these gratis sapiens who will be sponsored in this new Illuminati renaissance for a price, their very soul. You see, they're going to do the blockchain flip. Looks like a lamb, so the people will follow it to the slaughter as it speaks like a dragon. So, I do choose another way. We have to choose another way, because this is the way they're all going. I choose to live as a born again. And I choose to choose Jerusalem as born again and look for that. I'm going to live in the Jerusalem above. I am not going to live in the harlot state or the Jerusalem below. I'm not going to live in the Warrison state, even though if I read the news, it does appear sometimes quite worrisome. When I engage with the man on the street, it is quite worrisome at the ignorance and naivety. But they don't want to have a bridehood mentality because they don't want to be born again. So what I say is folly to them. And I'm casting my pearls before swine. And it's exhausting. So instead, I just choose to live as the bridehood. Because that's where the blessings are. That's where Yahweh wants us as we interact with a harlot world in a harlot state. With a false light of Illuminati that appears blessing to the depraved. But to us, we can see it is not a bridehood because it is not born again. It has to be born again to thrive, live, and exist, whether it's the Jerusalem above or the Jerusalem above within you and me. Free your mind. Free your soul. And free your spirit so that we can be all that we can be in this crazy time in which we live. Let's see what we've got in the comments section today. I'm sure absolutely nothing. All right, I know I saw my phone blowing up. Well, well uh, we won't worry about that. Stay on track here. All righty. If you want me to try and get to your question, redline me, redline me. Oh, that's outrageous. See, I just refreshed the screen on the chat and I've got a join our team, go.joebiden.com. Well, obviously the Google analytics aren't working there. Would you like to skip ad? Um, yes, please. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Wow, Joe Biden on tour to the tribes. Yeah, that would be fun, wouldn't it? That guy would definitely not stay awake. All righty. Shabbat shalom, much more truth, Brandon. When we are reading the prophets, how can we determine the difference between what has already taken place and that which is yet to come? Shabbat Shalom. That's an excellent question, one that my wife asks me often. Firstly, 
my advice is spend a lot of time in the prophets and realize that the prophets, generally speaking here, is multi-level prophecy. Okay, Daniel is a perfect example because you have, of course, the days and time of Daniel the prophet and you, of course, have Antiochus Epiphanes manifested in that time of the prophecy. But then it also spoke forward into the time of 70, around 70 of the common era. That's the second layer. And then, of course, it speaks into the days of the end of the age, the book of Revelation. So when I read the prophets, I read it with the Peshat, the plain sense, historically, what was going on at that time, the allegory, the drash, meaning it's hinting at a time of yet in the future, Isaiah, case in point, chapter 54, the suffering servant, and then the time of the end, the sowed revelatory mystery layer. So within the prophets, you usually specifically Isaiah, Daniel, and Jeremiah, where I like to hang, um, you see that. But you have to, of course, spend a lot of time. I mean, I love to read the prophets. Just read and read and read. And I pick up all kinds of different things depending on what's going on. So that, that's just my, my, my bit right there. I have to have a sip here. Cool. Thirsty work today. Libby Tube. Shabbat Shalom, Libby. She sets it up beautifully. Great statement. Come, Yahusha, come. Amen. Oh, yes. Come, Yahusha, come. Bethany Bagwell. Shabbat Shalom, family Bagwell. The rewards are for us. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Praise be. Praise be. Much more truth says it is the dark cabal versus the light alliance equals both evil. Exactly, right? But you have to be born again, enlightened, not to fall for it. But those that are living in a harlot, fallen state, that's the best that this world has got to offer. And they're taking it, you see, because to them it's bright light. But we know it's a false light because we have Yahusha. Oh, here's a good one. Shabbat Shalom, Kendra Fisher. I have an ominous feeling. I mean, you knew I was going to read something when it starts like that. <laughs> I have an ominous feeling about this ring of fire solar eclipse. It lines up with Stonehenge and the Great Pyramid. A vortex is opening. Just saying. Very profound. I like it. I'll ponder on that a little later. Yes, Stonehenge. That's about right now, isn't it? We were there a couple of years ago. It's changed a lot since I was a boy. They now charge you money to get in a bus to get there. We used to just be able to jump over the fence. But now they've turned it into a big tourist trap. You have to get on a bus. Unless, well... I'm sure you could get around it. 
I'm always trying to get around everything, just in case you haven't noticed. That's what my wife's always saying. It's true. But... Yes, Cairo Alexander says definitely a vortex. Liz Rockhill, Shabbat Shalom, Liz. When things get bad, are we to stay where we are or go out into the wilderness with each other and wait for Yahusha's return? Well, my, yeah, we're definitely at some point, we have to wait on the Ruach. We do. Because there's going to be all kinds of natural man, the harlot mentality, just to, to do it in our own flesh. Which, if you read the book of Yasher and around the 70th and 77th chapter, it talks about how Ephraim misread the prophecies and left 40 years early in his natural man, and they were decimated and slaughtered in the wilderness because they misread the prophecies. It wasn't until 40 years later that they were supposed to lead under the anointing of Yahweh with absolute miracles and great manifestations of Yahuwah's power. I think it will be the same. We'll know because Yahuwah will be leading us. It won't be of the natural. But in the meantime, I think it's very sensible to get out of city living if you're in the inner cities. I think it's very sensible to think that, you know, California is definitely a very hostile land right now and it's only going to get worse. So, you know... That's just me. I'd be very, I'd, I'd be very thoughtful on where I dwell. Um, so, hang on a minute. I got the wrong. I got to change to all chat. There we go. And now I'm starting to see more. Oh. William Seabrook gives us lots of thumbs up. Thank you, William. He says it's not over yet. It certainly isn't. Cairo Alexander says, Matthew, might Jerusalem be nuked? I think more chemical weapons myself. There's going to be a judgment over in the Middle East. Why? Because we see that there has to be a, um, what is it, two-thirds and one-third remaining, according to the prophecies of Zechariah. And that will be mainly on the, uh, on the coastlands, okay, which I've spoken of from Ashkelon all the way up through Tel Aviv and further north and then then will be the time for us to go johnny says matthew oh please call me okay that's johnny um what else we go yashub shabbat shalom yashub he says shabbat shalom if we assume adam and eve were created four thousand years BC and now we are 2000 plus we are in the sixth day and the thousand years will be the rest on the seventh day your thoughts I agree I think we are right at the final furlong Hebraic cycles Bethany Bagwell responds totally um, let's see giant killer he says thus with all the talk about evil Zionists and Zionists, 
What is the true biblical Zion? Well, the true biblical Zion is the Jerusalem descending from the heavens. In, and in us, it is the born-again state. It's the born-again state. It's the 12 tribes coming back together in the hand of Mashiach. That's the true Zion. Biblical Zion is always going to be under the master Yahushua. So, yeah, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting. Patty Taxic says, can you shed more light on the context of proper biblical marriage and governing law? Oh, that would be a teaching in itself, yes. Um, I don't have time right now to do that, and I have to be very careful on what I talk about on the chat. That is mo on, on, on this, this um, forum, YouTube, because then we're getting into um, some things that we might have to talk about offline. Sorry, I didn't mean to sidestep that one, Patty, but I did. But it's only because we're on this platform. Um, Diesel Grandpa says, definitely get out of the cities. Chaz is coming to your city. Well, they tried, Diesel Grandpa, to set up Chaz in Portland, I think, this week. And they, they thwarted it. So um, I hope it blooming doesn't come. But, you know, again, they were doing this. Look back in the 90s in Bosnia, Sarajevo, and the former Yugoslavia. First of all, you've got to come in you got to break down the police. They did it in Iraq, okay? And then they bring in the peacekeeping forces, NATO, the United Nations, and then they establish that. But now they're going to bring the AI in with it because now you can't, of course, according to the narrative, all police are evil, which, of course, we know is not true. Much better if we can have a robot, an artificial intelligence that is programmed and, um, you know, with diplomacy and it's got all the protocols and we don't have to wait. We won't have any human error of anybody kneeling on anybody's neck or anything like that. So, you know, they, 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 these AI will not be allowed to kneel. So... I wish these politicians wouldn't kneel for crying out loud. It, that is a, serve, um, a sign of servitude if I've ever seen it. A false face kneeling. Wow. Gagged and on your knees. Not something for the saints of Yahuwah. Good night, Josephine. Much more truth says, do you think we will have another world war, the red horse? I do. I do. I think they're waiting for that right now. But again, I've got to fight for the battle of the mind and the spirit with the Jerusalem above mentality. It's so easy because there's so much going on in the world. But uh, I also do enjoy engaging in some of these topics, I must say. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, here's a good one. Yah's Chosen. Shabbat Shalom, Yah's Chosen. What are your thoughts on this three days of darkness that is on social media? 
it is widespread there is coming three days of darkness well they had blackout right blackout day the other day where people thought it was just cool on their businesses just to have a black screen so now this three days of darkness i mean is this an allegory i mean this is actually very fascinating when you when you start to link this with the scriptures because you would never have thought of it in the light that we can now see with all this social media and you know Think about it in the 80s and 90s when, you know, in the traditional church, they taught about how the, the, the two witnesses would be raised up and everybody would see. And they'd be, oh, yeah, there'd be like big screen televisions and everybody in the world will see. Right? Seem plausible. Now you've got live streaming to your mobile device. I mean, it's so much more plausible. And now everything there, you've got blackouts on your social media for three days. You've got blackout days, blackout screens. So, oh, I'm telling you, got to be very alert, don't you? Now, Yashub says, we are already in World War Three. We just don't know it. Silent warfare. I would agree with that, and there's a lot I would love to say about that. And again, I can't. So, good grief. Um, yeah, this guy, um, really good, um, I forget his name, George Webb, he just got, his whole channel just got taken down. And if you don't know who George Webb is, he's the kind of insider to um, some of the um, diplomatic back channels. Um, going on in dc his whole channel his whole channel got taken down just boom just watched it the other morning and then go gone so again geez, it's crazy yeah thank you cameron we're finished with cameron milroy of course hk when it's time to rock that's what i'm talking about we'll finish off in the natural because otherwise it can be too spiritual if there is such a thing i'll be walking around with my head in the clouds and people think that anyway when i'm down at my school but it is i tell you a balance is it not between understanding and seeing what's going on in the world, but then rising to our spiritual calling, which is the Jerusalem above. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Give us some thumbs up now. It's an appropriate time to give us some thumbs up, apart from any traitors and anyone from any other infiltrating society. You can give us a thumbs down. We'll find out where you live, and we'll send the stormtroopers round to defund you and roll you into the nearest FEMA. But as for us that do support Torah to the tribes, thank you. Remember, stewardship is everything, and we appreciate and are so thankful that you have supported this ministry all this time and so many of you that are new to the ministry thank you for your giving and your stewardship we're blessed i'm blessed leave us some comments and thank you in the chat i really enjoy the chat having you guys in there and be a blessing to those that you meet this week and we'll look forward to seeing you next week i pray live here at torah to the tribes shabbat shalom